Welcome to another episode of This Catholic Life, conversations about life's ups and downs, big and small, how we deal with every situation imaginable, whatever life throws at us, but still manage to be sensible, practical, and joyful. Today's show is Screen Time, a conversation about the ups and downs of using screens to escape lockdown, especially for those younger kids in the family. I'm your host, Peter Holmes, and today I'm joined by Ryan Galliott. Welcome, Hello. Ryan. Thank you. Or Thank box you as we know him. <laughs> All right. He is, there is none greater qualified to talk about screen time than box. Uh, in terms of, we're both gamers, avid gamers, or at least when yes. I get a chance to, and uh, screen watchers of all kinds. And, and we would be the first to defend screens as a legitimate art form for starters, but also an enjoyment yes. thing, an escape from craziness. Yes. And one that most of us are now taking advantage of because of lockdown. Uh, screens can, in fact, be a window into a world outside of our home. There's no denying that one. <laughs> no denying it at all. And there's a, there's a real danger that we'll get addicted to it, like not just addicted in the sense of we've got nothing else to do so we're bored, but screen time becomes a kind of world which is not rep you can't replicate in reality. I remember a gamer once joking about the fact that um, uh, he was saying, um, I've been outside in reality. The graphics were good, but the gameplay sucked. <laughs> gameplay sucked. <laughs> <laughs> but having said that, I don't know if you remember the movie Avatar. There was a phenomenon in um, psychology that they recognised. People had post-Avatar depression because the colours were so, so vivid vibrant. and yeah. so vibrant and the world was so fascinating and, you know, right in your face primary colours, that when mm. people watched it many times and then came out and looked at the real world, it was too drab and they got depression. Yes. <laughs> and so uh, you think, well, I, most computer games I play go with that. They go with the primary colours in your face. You know, there's, there's all these glitz and glam and everything you do in the computer game gives you a, like an achievement in inverted <laughs> commas. Like you cross a bridge. Oh, you've achieved the crosser. You know? <laughs> Suddenly feel accomplished, so accomplished just crossing this bridge. Yeah, you go out and buy a coffee um, and you feel like you should be getting a little ding and a little window and a plaque that comes up and says, achieved. Sometimes I think I hear it. No, just kidding. <laughs> I, I saw this meme the other day that uh, someone in America had actually been sending photos of uh, Red Dead Redemption, the landscape of Red Dead Redemption, to their local news channel. Right. And the news channel had been posting this, um, <laughs> thinking it was actually a real landscape somewhere. For those um, listeners out there, Red Dead Redemption is a computer game, which um, is like the old Wild West kind of computer game. Very beautiful, scenic, and as Ryan's just pointed out, sometimes hard to tell from reality. Um, it, the graphics in these things is becoming so realistic that it's quite frightening how close to a real experience it is. Now, having said that, while we're playing Red Dead Redemption, we're sitting on our butts, um, yep. shoveling you know potato chips into our mouth <laughs> at, and doing very little exercise, causing immense right. strain on our hearts because <laughs> we're very, very stressed about the game, but we're not actually exercising. Mm. So there's the physical health problems of screen addiction, but screens mm. themselves can be addictive. The yes. stimulation we get from a screen, when you think about it, the producers of TV shows, especially advertisements, want your attention. They are, they, their whole game is keeping you watching. And so they keep stimulating. They, they keep offering you fascinating things to keep you in. Um, probably the classic example of this is for me is MasterChef. You know, you, you have about 10 minutes of programming uh, stretched out over 30 minutes of show. 
whether you know come when we come back we'll tell you the answer <laughs> no you won't it'll be another seven ad breaks before That's we right. get there <laughs> to do all these dramatic music shots and pan shots of this same saucepan. <laughs> but, I mean, screens, at least for, for kids that I've seen, eh, well, anyone really, seem to have taken the role that novels and books have previously of something to, to help us with our escapism, something to, to take our time away and help us imagine another world, even ex gain life experience of a sort by witnessing life through these different characters or people. The problem is, though, that it doesn't uh, doesn't engage our imaginations in the way, same way that books do. Right. Where it relies on our imaginations to, to sort of see these things happen. Well, in fact, we've mapped the brain. Psychologists, have, sorry, psychoanalysts have mapped the brain activity when you are watching a TV show and when you're reading a book. And what they find is that when you're watching a TV show, it's the kind of passive observer thing yeah. is going off in your brain. There's not the same neurons. When you're reading a book, you're actually using the parts of your brain which artists use because That's you're right. having to create the world and the pictures and the ideas in your own head you have to paint the scene and as you know I'm, as as an artist i mean i've fell in love with reading when i was younger we'd have no electricity in the philippines for the months that i'd be visiting and i'd have to rely on that imagination to draw and to create what i wanted to and i think that really fed what uh, would later become my artistic expression and how I approached art. Um, creativity is one of those things that is it, hand in hand with technical ability uh, are so integral to creation yes. of, of art, music, anything of that kind of expression. Uh, screens, I think, because there's no uh, interaction with that part of your mind, that brain sort of minimize and, and, and prevent the development of this. There's a fellow called Ken Robertson who is an expert in education. He talks about that every child is an artist, every child is a writer, and we educate them out of it. And part mm. of that is the homogenization of screens, that we're all watching yeah. the same shows, we're all watching the same thing. It doesn't fire, it might fire our imagination in a very limited way, but it actually channels us down the way they want mm. us to go. There's something a bit more insidious about this um, screen thing, though. I mentioned advertising, and that's basically. Uh, systemic and legal brainwashing of you to buy their products. That's me being very cynical there. But in computer games, especially like iPhone games and other computer mm. games, they use a, a mechanism called a micro-reward system um, so that every tiny little thing you do, you get a little ding-ding, you achieve something, yep. you get this, oh, look, you win kind of thing. And it's been proven that this and the reason they do it is this, that it actually fires off little success you know, neurons in our brain. It gives us, we go, ooh, ooh, and we get a dopamine yeah. release because I won. Yeah. Even if all I've done is pressed a button and it's gone, yeah, you win. I, I feel like a winner. I feel like, yay, and then it drags me further and further into the game, and then eventually mm. they ask me for a dollar, <laughs> um, and then they ask me for another dollar, and then they and it, it is a, there's a temptation there. It's deliberately designed to, to draw us in and make us spend money. And, I mean, couple that with what we know now about uh, the blue light coming from screens. Oh, really? That, Talk, tell it, me about this. The blue, blue light, you know, from, from a lot of screens, it, it's something that keeps you awake and it, it, it's not good for your it regular your sleep, sleep patterns. patterns. That's why when right. you're using your iPhone in bed at night, you don't sleep as well. That's right. That's right. So not only are you getting a lot of stimulation, you also are less likely to want to separate yourself from it. 
right. because there's entertainment. There's you know there's that escapism. You you, you live your life vicariously through these characters. <laughs> I've, I know someone who just won't stop watching Korean dramas. And Korean dramas. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, specifically they you know they love the Korean dramas and now because they're watching even late at night they are unwilling to just turn off the phone. Right. Well, it's hard if you're in bed and you've literally got a screen in your hands. It's very hard to find a cutoff point. Like it, mm. I often have to say to myself, no matter what's happening, when that clock ticks over to this time, maybe ten or eleven or something, that's when the screen goes off and I'll pull the book out. But I have to say that. I have a Kindle and it just keeps going <laughs> and I, I never run out of book. And even yeah. when I finally finish a book late at night, there's a temptation to click the button, which gets the next book, next book instead of having to wait till the next morning and go and buy it. Yeah. But I mean, that's, this is all stuff for, for adults that hopefully well formed in our, for, in, in our, in our maturity, but oh, yeah, certainly. kids, yes, it's, it's even, <laughs> well, not me, um, but for kids, it's, it's worse. I Very mean, much so. They, Their brains haven't yet formed the adult capacity. We don't really form an adult capacity until 25. Our, our brains are still developing until 25. I'm still waiting. <laughs> but the, um, the children can't be expected to make good adult decisions. That's why we don't let them do things, uh, even mm. if they're physically capable, we don't let them have sole responsibility for a car, for example, until they're 18 mm. Mm. Uh, or 16 under supervision. We don't let them, you know, operate things that are dangerous because they simply don't have, they haven't yet developed a mature capacity for making good decisions. And then we put a screen in front of them and say, make a good decision about this. <laughs> well, actually, what we're saying is, please go away and don't bother me. <laughs> yeah. Here's a screen. But we need to be conscious of the fact that getting outside, getting some vitamin D, getting some exercise, you know, making the circulation go, reading a book, using your imagination is an incredibly important part of maintaining uh, mental health. Now, I'm all for screens helping people maintain sanity in lockdown. Mm. but it's not going to maintain, it's just going to create a new kind of insanity if we don't mix it up with exercise, right. with inspiration. Well, I mean, look, call me, uh, call me old-fashioned and, and maybe it's the artist, artist in me, the artist in me talking about this, but there's something to be said, I think, about the, the fact that laptops are so necessary in schooling now um, and, and there's a reliance on that screen for at least you know maybe eight hours of the day yep where i think there's a real skill a real discipline required in opening a book holding a pen and writing especially yep. since in your exams you're using a pen and a book <laughs> well not these days uh, no, not mine, these days no <laughs> yes because the exams i just finished marking from the winter yes. semester uh, were all online and they're all typed now i think you're right i think there's a different skill in in fact um, because my handwriting is so scrappy, I deliberately write with a fountain pen because it slows me down. Oh, okay. If I'm using the fountain pen, I have to think about each stroke. It actually slows my writing down so that my thinking becomes more deliberate and coherent. Oh. I think so fast that if I'm trying to write with a normal pen, I can't even understand what I was trying <laughs> to say later. Part doctor. <laughs> I'd like to think so, but uh, no, it's just me being messy. But the, the the fountain pen slows me down so that my thoughts have to be a little bit more coherent. I yeah. can't imagine. I mean, in living memory, I know some people who taught me who wrote hand wrote their doctoral thesis. Wow! It's, what? Yeah, the the amount of 
control and draft notes and everything you would have to have to write out something. Yeah. I certainly, I mean, I hand wrote my first essays in university, Ryan, that's revealing my age a little bit. <laughs> but my lecturers even then said, you need to get a, a typewriter. You need to, <laughs> you need to get, you get a computer. Mm. But that kind of thought process is, is actually a different kind of thing going on in your brain than merely yeah. typing. And it's certainly different than texting. Um, so typing with your thumbs on a, on a little tiny keyboard is a very different mental process than typing on a keyboard. There's something, and it's maybe just because of my experience, uh, I, I think this way, but writing, handwriting something, you become sensitive to, uh, I guess, the, the extent uh, and dexterity of your hands, your, your, the way that your body works. Right. There's something in that, the very action of doing that compared to just pressing a button. Um, yeah, although when we say just pressing a button, I don't know if you've oh, played yeah. any shooters. Uh, it's not just because <laughs> if it was just pressing Look, a button, I could win. But um, I do play shooters pretty much daily these days. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> yeah, there's some interesting skills involved, and I think there are skills. That's why there's mm. very high-level competitions for things like StarCraft and and, oh, yeah. and uh, e-games, not so much in Western countries, but certainly in uh, Asia have e-games, and they're very, very skilled in that area. But yeah. playtime should, in fact, be playtime. And mm, I'm very happy to say that my kids have screen time each day in lockdown because otherwise we'd all go nuts being stuck in a house. Mm. But they also have to have had exercise before they get to their screens. That's right. They have to prove to me that they've done some exercise. They have to prove that they've done something uh, creative, either written a, a short story or drawn something. They have to prove that they have um, done their chores too. That's another thing. Because yes. I have to say the temptation of screens is to not care about the world that's outside my screen. That's right. That's right. I'm invested in what I'm looking at and yeah. what I'm engaged in now. And and that's that's it. What, what you've raised there, Peter, is something that I stand by is the a good formation when it comes to screens. And, and people, I'm not sure if too many people I've spoken to that have disagreed with it, but many people don't seem to understand how to do it in terms of teaching their children, teaching their families how to have a balanced approach to screen time. Screen time isn't bad, but just like anything, it can be, become addictive, can be, yep. it can ruin your life. Well, as parents, if you don't know the game they're playing, if you don't understand the chat system that's involved, you are out of control. You've basically unleashed the world on your child. I know this sounds easy for someone who's been a gamer all my life, but I would say at least have a go at their game. Mm. Play mm. the game. I, I play the game with my kids occasionally so that I understand what they're talking about when I can hear them in the background. I very carefully limit who they are allowed to play with, and if there's a game that doesn't allow me to do that, they don't play it. And I believe, um, according to some statistics we've mentioned before, uh, there is a growing number of families that play with their kids and on video games and actually it's I, i'm not too sure about the evidence of this or maybe i shouldn't say it but i think there's also a uh something about the the uh connection that's formed when there playing is. there is it's a neural connection what's an interesting stat for you ryan is that in the uk they uh divorces are now tracked the quickie divorces the the ones through the electronic system are tracked especially for their reasons 
and 11% of divorces in the UK listed gaming addiction as their number one reason for divorce. Oh. And, and in fact, someone who where the couple has one of the couple as a gamer is um, about 5% more likely than the average person to divorce. Mm. What's intriguing about the stats is where both of the couple are gamers, uh, their divorce rate is half the national average. Oh, um, wow. So, <laughs> so if they actually are in the same world sharing the same things... In, they're in the trenches together. They're in the yeah. trenches together, and it's less likely to be a, a problem for them mm. because they're, they're, they're not separating in their recreation. That's another podcast we should have about shared recreation, but maybe we'll just address it now with regards to screens. We've found that doing communal things with screens works better than each of us having individual things. We'll have individual mm. time in the day, but we'll separate for just quiet time with, with the iPods and, and just a bit of music to sort of zone out and, and get some me time. But if we have a, like an, a movie night every Friday night or yeah. even if we can't actually meet up, um, I know that some of my kids meet up with their friends and watch a movie together online and have comments and I, I can't get my head around that because the, the most annoying thing about watching movies with other people is that when they insist on chewing loudly and, and <laughs> making comments at the best part of the movie, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. I've got to say, I mean, it, I've, I've been one of those people that, uh, that do that, watch, watch shows with friends, and yep. we always mute our microphones so you can't hear each other. None of us like people that talk during the shows. Um, <laughs> but then what, tell me then, but, what, what's the point of watching together? Uh, I've got to say, one of the things I do, I've got my big TV and I have my laptop in front of me. And sometimes uh, seeing the reactions of my friends when we right. get to certain parts, uh, seeing that joy and seeing that interaction with them and, and, and the movie or show that we're watching, it's, it is a shared, shared experience. And it's something that yeah. helps build that common unity, the community of, of watching. Probably explains, there's a really big uh, uh, trend happening right now of reaction videos. If you go to YouTube, mm. there's reaction videos to everything. So-and-so, the first time they've seen this movie or the first time they've seen this comedian or whatever it is, or this this song. And I have to say it's addictive because mm. if you know a song and you like it or if you know a movie and a certain part of the movie really grabbed you and made you feel a certain way, you want to see someone else experience it because it's, it's right. in a certain way you're experiencing that same sensation again the first time and it's amazing and i think it, it it's about something about the vulnerability of that person to to react right as well it, it's it's that kind of connection it's it's the guards down yeah um yeah. i find that if i if i come across a movie and um or a book to be honest and or even just a food or a, a drink or something that i really like the first thing i want to do is share it with friends Yes. Partially because they're my friends, I want them to have fun as well. But secondly, I really want them to share this with me. And there's something about shared joy. There's a, something about shared enjoyment. And coming back to the screen thing, that's pretty important. So mm. we've set up our kids to play computer games regularly, a couple of times a week, three or four times a week, with some friends who they would normally hang out with. But mm. they now meet to talk about uh, you know, to play these computer games and, and spend time together. And because it's a shared experience, it has a different mechanism to it. They can talk to each other, they can play the game, they have shared goals, and they feel like they've hung out with some friends. And, an interesting thing about these uh, virtual catch-ups as well, though, because they're virtual, it's different from 
being in person, you can attach, uh, if you have a chat going as well as the uh, discussion on the video screen, you can attach memes and you can bring in social media <laughs> and, you know, show clips. And so if someone's not understanding what you're talking about, you're able to clue them straight in. You know, right. it's, there's something very interesting about that dy dynamic. Of course, it shouldn't ever replace catching up in person when possible. Yeah. Um, it could explain also the phenomenon of gaming streams. So there are mm. some people who literally broadcast a video of themselves playing a game. Mm, uh, and watching right. their reactions and watching them succeed in the game or struggle and fail even, it can be amusing in its own right. But I still think all of these are substitutes for sitting beside someone and having a good, you know, good lot of fun with them. But right. we're having to find these substitutes for community uh, the more isolated we become. And I'm, mm. I'm really worried, Box, that when we come out of lockdown, we will have sort of ossified our habits um, that will have kind of coalesced into I'd rather look at a screen than deal with human beings because human beings are, ooh, they smell yeah. and, and, they're, and, they're, and they're icky and I have to, they don't, they don't go away when I press mute. The gameplay is horrible. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the gameplay is horrible. The graphics are great, but the gameplay is horrible. We've yeah. gone full circle. <laughs> yeah. I've got to say, um, I've actually caught up virtually with friends I haven't spoken to in years during lockdown more than i've caught up with friends that i am closer to now regularly spend time with i found yeah. that though box this is not a, not a new thing i found i've moved into state um i think five times in my marriage mm. and she's still with me i just can't no just joking um, <laughs> <laughs> but w whenever i moved into state we lost a lot of friends not because yeah. we didn't like them but because it was they just were nearby we enjoyed mm -hmm. the same things, but once we stopped enjoying the same things, that was what the friendship was about. Yeah. And what yeah. we found out is who was actually a deep friendship um, mm -hmm. because they stayed with us and we stayed in contact because of our mutual uh, personal mm -hmm. concerns. And it means that we've kept a few friends from different places, but not very many. Mm -hmm. um, so you have some friends who are friends just because you're hanging out. And then you have other friends who you want to stay in contact with because you value them as persons in your life. That really does reflect to some degree uh, the nature of our, I mean, you talked talking before about how we might lose that sense of how to commune with people, how to communicate. Uh, but I think we've been trained slowly since reality TVs come on our screens right. to be more passively watching things happen yep. than to participate. And let's face, let's face it, when we've had that grow into this whole movement, even in, um, as you mentioned before, game streams, where we now just watch other people play games without playing games ourselves. Yep. Uh, I think there's, there is a whole mentality, a training that's been happening in society to get us towards that passive interaction yeah. instead of a real yeah, One. it's almost a perfect consumer that all you do is sit there and buy things. That's right. Possibly worth mentioning, just as a, a roundup, as you said, we've been able to contact people who we don't. Matthew Tan, who's been on this podcast, has moved uh, down to the country, and I can't hang out with him anymore for, for excellent Asian food that he was an expert in. <laughs> but I've talked to him more since uh, he's gone, just in terms of internet catch-ups. Father Josh, who is... Um, the host, he's been on this podcast, but he's also the host, used to be the host of um, The Furnace. 
the furnace uh, is in France doing his uh, <laughs> further studies, and I've talked to him regularly um, yeah. since he gone. Now that means I'm getting scenes from current France and finding out about things I would have never known had I just mm. been watching the news, which is a fascinating world in itself. We have an opportunity to expand friendships in a new way, uh, mm. to build communities and perhaps even set ourselves up for when lockdown finally lets us out, we'll have places to go and things to see and people to hug. Mm. And look, with, with the, we spoke briefly about the effect on young people with screens and i'm not sure if we mentioned about the capacity for it to act like an actual drug it releases the same endorphins and, the and things in the hit. mind yep. the dopamine now we also did mention about the fact that a good formation helps to balance that but definitely the the, the negatives should never outweigh the positives if right. we're doing if it is a good thing and I, I I agree with you. I think screens are a good thing. They have a capacity for such great uh, things in our community, in our society. Uh, the question I'd raise, I guess, is uh, how do we start doing that in our family? This is rhetorical in that we can't really answer this here, but how do we start this in our families if we've become too reliant? You know, how do we start to find a balance when it's it's difficult to, to pull our kids away from screens when that's all, all they've... Well, Chantal Marie gave us the answer in our episode called Life Hacks, where she talks about breaking bad habits and making new ones. You can never really break a habit by just stopping it. You need yeah. something better to go to. So I would say with the kids, um, I've had almost zero success telling them not to look at screens. I mean, they just sit and grumpy in the corner and resent me. I've had success where I said, let's go to the park. Let's do this. Mm. In other words, give them something that's more interesting. I'll say, we can do this when we've finished the chores, you know, that kind of mm. give them a carrot, um, make it fun. And usually kids actually appreciate being engaged with their parents. Mm. And I know as that's parents right. you're exhausted and you don't want to have to invest time, but even a small amount, like let's go for a walk together once a day. And my daughter and I are, are watching <laughs> Goodness gracious me, I, I don't know if I should admit this, but my daughter and I are watching our way through a very, very old TV show called Get Smart. Oh, love it. <laughs> it's, Missed him by this much. Yes, it's just, <laughs> I just, look, I can't believe I watched this as a child and I'm giggling away to myself going, this is so bad, this is so awful and politically incorrect and all the usual things, but uh, it's fun to sit with my daughter and watch it and so that, that's become a kind of a community thing as well. Finding, finding little carrots to drag them out of themselves and into a communal doing something is a good way to do it. And, and I think on, on the other side of it, I mean, we talked about, you know, doing something, uh, giving them something to do aside from the, the screens, but then also sharing that time together. But something that I've really been able to do in lockdown is when we watch things together, then also spending time afterwards Talking, talking about, about it, it so we don't lose yeah we don't lose that capacity to speak with other people yeah. uh, and to to engage our, our thoughts and, and imagination as well absolutely i totally agree with that and that that goes to not watching things too late because so you're just so just wrecked and you need to go to bed afterwards actually allowing yourself time to debrief and have some chat and that sort of thing and it, it, that's true of anything one last thing i would say it helps us to look outside our house 
Um, mm. Now, one way we can do that is set up prayer concerns. Ask each of them, who do you know that we should pray for? Who needs prayer? Who's Who are we talking about? Mm. And we focus ourselves outside of our house, but we also pray for those people. And that helps us look broader and, and be more aware of our, our world, but also to look outwards for things that we can change and we can do. And praying is one of the most amazing things Christians can do. Well, that's it for this week's podcast. If today's discussion got you thinking or arguing with your podcast device, let us know. What are you doing in lockdown to keep yourself sane that perhaps moves you in and out of screen time? You can tell us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook or Discord. You can find the links to all of these in the show notes or on our website. This is a uniquely Australian Catholic podcast. We'll be back next week. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to This Catholic Life.